Live from ClickOrlando.com, this is News 6 at... This is a News 6 Plus takeover. Here now is Matt Austin and Ginger Gadston with Florida's 4th Estate. Sponsored by Light Orlando, delivering hope together. Former Judge Belvin Perry became a household name during the Casey Anthony trial, but did you know that was not his first major case that grabbed headlines? It was the Black Widow case. For people who don't know who this was, this is an infamous female serial killer in the state of Florida, accused of poisoning husbands, boyfriends, a son. I mean, the crazy, this, the story about her son where she's accused of poisoning him until he went paralyzed, then she takes him out on a canoe and the canoe flips and he drowns. I mean, the, the craziest story. And so you were a prosecutor for all of this. What was, I mean. You get all the light cases. I know, yeah. You, you ever get like a parking ticket case or anything like that? Uh, early on I did. Yeah. Uh, it was a very interesting case uh, uh, where uh, the crime was 10 years in the rear. And the investigator that I had uh, by the name of uh, Bruce Dusty Rhodes, in my opinion, was one of the best investigators ever. Uh, we dug up the body, and from there we found witnesses that were scattered from Alaska, Denver, just all over the United States of America. And we put together a very, very solid case against her. Uh, what complicated the case was a thing called similar fact evidence. Uh, she poisoned her husband. Uh, she poisoned her common-law husband. She poisoned her son and she attempted uh, to poison uh, her fiance. And then blew up his car. And then blew his car. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, she was quite deadly. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it took us a while to put that case together, but we put together a very solid case. But the, the problem with that particular case was generally I could tell what the defense was going to be in every case that I ever prosecuted. That was the one case when that trial started. I had no earthly idea what their defense was going to be. Didn't. And it worried me. And uh, after I had put my first witness on, and when uh, Mr. Johnston began his cross-examination, I knew what the defense was going to be. And I knew I was up a creek without a paddle. <laughs> oh, no. Day so one. it wasn't what you were, any of the options you were expecting, it wasn't that. It yeah. was not that. And I can remember going back to the office at lunch and I, I got my investigator. I told Dusty, I don't know what you call them. I don't know where they are, but I need someone to testify about Agent Orange. I need someone to be able to testify about these pesticides that used to spray in these groves around here. Mm. Because they were all sources of arsenic. Oh, that was their defense? Yes. Wow. I mean, it's She didn't I, do it. No, it I mean, was, but how much arsenic it? are you gonna have to spray on somebody? <laughs> <laughs> to make their limbs go limp. 
Oh. When I got back to the office around 5.30, uh, he had a list of about four or five experts, and we got them on the phone. He had found a guy who was over the Agent Orange program, who was a colonel in the United States Air Force at the Pentagon. Talked to him, he explained all about it, uh, and we knew that Agent Orange would not be the source. Uh, he would actually have to drink a 30-gallon drum of Agent Orange <laughs> to have to in his body. Effects, yeah. uh, and we found the guy at the University of Florida Agricultural Extension Program in Lake Africa, who had did a, a study of migrant workers and the effects of pesticide spray in groves. And basically, they sweated it out. Mm. Wow. So uh, the next morning, uh, I amended my witness list, added those two guys, and I set up depositions for that night at uh, 6 o'clock so the defense couldn't scream, which they did scream. But, sure. but you, there was no way for you to account for it because they didn't show their hand. Right. Yeah. Is, is She seems like, did you ever get a chance to interact with her? Did you even get to depose her? Or did she go on the stand? Like, what, Did you get to talk to this woman? Did one better than that. Oh, hit me. When she was transported by the Orange County Sheriff's Department, back to Orlando after she had been indicted and they were finished. My investigator, myself, uh, and a, a female staffer, when she got off the plane, my investigator placed her under arrest for the murder of James Goodyear. Uh, and uh, we were in the car with her. I was in the front seat. Our female staffer was in the back seat with her. This was in the summer. I've never been in a car with an individual, and it felt like wintertime in there. Wow. I've never been around a person as icy and cold and had no affect whatsoever in my life. That you felt it? I felt it. Never experienced anything like that since then. And so she was arrested, her life's in jeopardy here, and she was still no affect? No affect. She was cool as a cucumber, and she had this coldness about her that would actually make you shiver. I, you know, wow. gosh, people, when people are evil, it gives you a physical reaction, like the hairs on the back of your neck or your arms will rise. That's a real thing, and that's what you felt yeah. in there with her. Yeah. Did she speak at all? Nope. Not a word. Nope. Wow. That <laughs> gave me chills. All right. We need, to we need a commercial break to recover from what he just said because all the hairs on my, the back of my neck are standing. We're going to take a break. We're going to talk about how uh, former Judge Belvin Perry got involved in the law and uh, a little bit about his background, which is also fascinating. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Florida's Fourth Estate. We've been sitting down with former Judge Belvin Perry, who gained fame during the Casey Anthony case, and before that took on the Black Widow. Now we focus on his road to success. We want to talk about how you got to be where you are today. I love the fact that as a judge, you have to be fair and balanced, yet you grew up in the segregated South, 
right? Correct. And so how imp important is it as a judge? Because you've seen and witnessed for yourself and your family the injustices when people aren't treated fairly and properly. So when you are sitting on the bench and you know you have to be right down the middle, how important is that knowing that so many people who look like you didn't get that chance? You know, one of the things I have to uh, be thankful for is my parents. Uh, my dad and Richard Arthur Jones were the first two black police officers. My mom, who was a, a, a school teacher. But I was also blessed to be involved uh, in a very close-knit community. Uh, Paul Perkins, uh, we attended the same church. He was the Sunday school superintendent, among other things. Uh, uh, Willie J. Bruton, Bruton Boulevard. Mm -hmm. uh, Arthur Pappy Kennedy and oh, many wow. more wow. people. Uh, Pappy Kennedy was my uh, Sunday school teacher. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you had to fly right. So, uh, <laughs> and yes, I grew up in the time of segregation of white and colored bathrooms. Mm -hmm. When you got on the city bus, you had to go back to the back. Uh, old Florida Diner on uh, OBT near Jackson Street, if you wanted to get a nice shrimp basket or, 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 or anything to eat. I suffered the indignities of going uh, with my dad to the back door to get food. Uh, mm. But the one thing that uh, my parents and uh, my community did was they placed the value on, look, these are your times, but don't let them limit you. You can do anything in this world that you want to do. Uh, and one of the things uh, that I really learned from my father was you take obstacles, roadblocks, and you turn them into something good. You don't let them stop you, and you don't let them make you angry. Because once you become angry and bitter, then you lose self-control and you things that will harm you. And it's what they're looking for to see. Yeah. He's mad. He's angry. And, you know, one of the things uh, by my dad being law, in law enforcement was you treat people like you want to be treated. They are human beings. They make mistakes, but there has to be certain consequences, and you have to judge each individual, not as a group, but separately. And that's how I've always tried uh, to do it. You know, I was known as a tough but fair judge. And uh, before COVID, it was not a week that didn't go by uh, that I would run into someone and they would thank me. Uh, some would tell me, you know, I hated you because you sent me to prison. Mm. And be, But the young lady said, but I thought about what you told me before you sent me. And in, in, in reflection, that was the best thing that happened to me because I was on a path where I would never be able to raise my kids. Uh, so you run into that where when you treat people fairly, and I would often tell them, I didn't bring you here, mm -hmm. but what are you going to do to keep from coming back? Yeah. And th the problem with society is sometimes we don't want consequences, and consequences doesn't necessarily mean you have to use a sledgehammer on a net. You know, there are certain people when they hear the clinking of the bars and they are locked up in jail for the first time, 
you you would never have to worry about them coming back. And then other people, you may need some community control, you may need some other things, and sometimes you may need jail therapy. But there are some crimes that cry out, uh, particularly crimes of violence, that people should receive punishment. I'm curious as to when you going back to when you were getting your start. Uh, you talked a lot about your dad and your mom. Did they want you to be a lawyer? Where, where'd that come from? Because he he was a police officer. My dad always said uh, he wanted to have a a son who was a lawyer and a son who was a doctor. Uh, my dad had, uh, I was a lawyer, became a judge. Uh, my baby sister was a lawyer. My uh, baby brother is an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, my sister is, uh, was the principal of Jones High School. She's retired. And then I had another sister who was a small business owner. What kind of genes are in this family? Because, I mean, everyone is performing at a high level. That, that's yeah. true. That's well, true. my dad, uh, how I got my interest in the law, uh, I was interested in two things in growing up, the law and science. So I either wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer. And I used to go with my dad to municipal court. I always enjoyed it. I always like seeing the guy in the black robe up there. Okay. And I was torn when I was in the 12th grade of being a doctor or a lawyer, but the thing called organic chemistry made me change my <laughs> <laughs> That's still it changing minds. It helped you decide. It helped you decide. Yeah, that's a brutal weed out class still to this day. My daughter's yeah. about to take it in oh uh, my college gosh. pretty soon. Yeah. Um, so, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just, I, you know, your father was one of the first black police officers in Orlando. Did he ever talk about being treated differently than the other officers? Or was it something, because, you know, there are two schools of thoughts. You, you come home and you tell your family that this is terrible, or you come home and you keep your mouth shut, you just do the work and put in the time. What did he do? My dad did not talk to me about his experiences Bad and, bad and unpleasant experiences until I had finished law school. And we used to have what I would call these garage talks mm. at home. And I would sit and he would talk. So I said, why you didn't tell me this? And he said, you know what? Remember I used to tell you about things that would make you bitter? Things that would keep you off point? Things that would make you focus on the wrong thing? He said, that's why I didn't tell you. Until you are mature enough to understand things happen that you have no control over. And he said, that was the way that it was. And you know, one of the things that I remember, my dad was quite outspoken. And uh, he, he, he told me that one of the things, uh, when they first started to work him in Jones, they were complaining about them using the same restroom. And my dad just beat a path upstairs and say, hey, if I'm going to go out and risk my life, I'm not going up and use a different bathroom. Yeah. And uh, my dad took the 
sergeant's exam and passed it several times, and they had a list. And when it got up to his name, they stopped making sergeants to the list expired. And then after doing that about three or four times, he said, you know, the devil with that. Uh, and uh, because, you know, he would, he would always speak up. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, Do you appreciate that he withheld that information? Because he was almost like playing a judge at home, mm -hmm. like being, you know, it's like, okay, I'll let him this decide. This evidence is yeah. not admissible exactly. in this court. Did you appreciate that? In, in hindsight, yes. Uh, because, you know, I, I just wonder how I would have handled that emotionally at mm -hmm. that time and whether or not I would end, you know, up being uh, bitter. But he kept that uh, to himself. Wow. That, that's, that is, that, that, yeah, that's interesting. I'm always fascinated as a dad of three myself. Like, what do dads do? Yeah. Why do they make the decisions? Because uh, the kids never know how strategic we are with what we tell them and what we don't, mm -hmm. what we hold back. So that's... That's fascinating, and whatever he did, it seemed like I want to I take notes. I think it worked out. Yeah, because all it these kids are <laughs> something amazing. Yeah. Um, and so, so when you decided you were going to do law, you uh, you ended up going into and obviously, but you wanted to start out in personal injury. Right. This, this is see, this is weird. We were talking before we started this. Most people who start out have this grand. I'm going to save lives, or I'm going to oh, put bad guys yes, away. Yes. And that's I'm what you be ended Lincoln up. Lawyer. I'm you, be, you ended up doing that. <laughs> But you wanted to be a personal injury guy when you came out. Why didn't that work out? Uh, first of all, I hated criminal law. <laughs> didn't like it at all. Uh, I excelled in tax, but uh, got A's in my, my tax courses. But in order to be successful in tax, you had to have an LLM. I was married, had a kid, so I needed a J-O-B. <laughs> and so the only job that I could get when I came back here was with, at the state attorney's office. I almost went back to Houston, Texas, where I could have done some personal injury. But my dad convinced me to stay here. My dad knew Robert Egan, and Robert Egan gave me my first job. Uh, and not only did he give me my first job, he let me excel in his office. You know, I went from traffic to being a, a division chief, then to running the criminal intake division, which was the largest division, trying the major cases for the community, and then ended up as chief assistant state attorney, where I did the hiring, firing, and running the day-to-day -day operations of the office. And Robert Egan, believe it or not, guess what? He was a Republican. I mean, you love to hear stories like that because it shouldn't matter, right? It sh you should just get the best person. You know, when I went and interviewed Robert Egan, I, I think back and, and now I want to kick myself. Because when I went to interview he, with him, I had an afro that was that big. <laughs> okay? I had a goatee. Yeah. I had tinted glasses. This is hard to picture. Yeah. And in hindsight, I said, I'll get that one. If I was Robert Egan, I wouldn't have hired him. Well, you know, when I came back, I had a nice haircut. Sure, he sure. Right. But he saw, obviously, something. He talked to me. He saw me. He saw what I was capable of doing. And he looked beyond uh, the pigmentation of my skin. He looked beyond the big afro. Uh, and he looked at my character and my ability to do the job. And he didn't put any artificial ceilings 
on me in his office. You are delightful. I'm so happy you made time for us today. And you made a lot of time. We, we, we really yeah. been in here for a while. Thank you. It really okay. is a pleasure to meet you. Okay. Yeah, Dalton Perry, thank you so much. Very nice to meet you. Oh my gosh, so nice to meet you. And thank you for watching Florida's Fourth Estate. You can download it from wherever you listen to podcasts or watch anytime on News 6 Plus.